Welcome to Claim the Stage, a podcast for women who want to discover, awaken, and create their voice through the art of public speaking. I'm your host, Angela Lucier, award-winning professional speaker, author, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. Welcome to episode 118, Managing Stress and Self-Care Leading Up to a Speech with Crystal Farley. Okay, I have to just tell you the backstory on how this episode came about because it came in a lot of different ways. Have you ever had this topic that just keeps showing up in your life? Like people keep asking you about it. You see that there's like a new TV show coming out about it. You get a magazine in the mail and one of the headlines is that topic. You have a friend call you and say, Hey, I'm, I'm wondering if you can help me with this. And it's that same topic. That's this topic for me for the last couple of weeks. I feel like I've gotten a lot of emails on this topic. I've had some friends text me. I even had someone say, can you answer this question on your podcast? Because I'm really struggling with it. And it even came up this morning on a phone call with a friend. The topic is, how do you feel more comfortable and confident and self-assured leading up to a speaking engagement? And I met Crystal through a mutual friend, Shannon Walsh. She introduced us. She said, you two need to know each other. And so we got on the phone and we had a quick chat and we found out really quickly that we had a lot in common and that I wanted to have her on my podcast and she wanted to have me on hers. (laughs) And I thought, what a great topic for her to cover. So I'm going to tell you more about Crystal because she is the perfect person to ask about how to manage stress. Crystal Farley is chief storyteller and co-creator for two successful podcasts. One is called PTSD, People, Trauma, and Stress Discussed, an Unfiltered Truth, as well as Making of Her Story. Crystal is a nationwide speaker on the topic of women's advocacy in the workplace, and as a certified stress management maven, is the founder of CFAR, Beyond the Box, an organizational stress management consulting business working to create a better foundation of stress management for employees. Crystal is a combat veteran and former woman of technology, having worked for companies like Apple, IBM, and HPE. She has been gifted a variety of experiences that allow her to connect with a wide audience and improve the quality of life for others inside and outside of the workplace. You can find Crystal at cfarbeyondthebox.com and the link is in the show notes for you. Crystal and I get into all kinds of stuff in this interview, like how do you manage feelings of anxiety, stress, and fear leading up to an event? What kind of strategies can you add to your life for just dealing with stress in general, the kinds of mistakes people make, and so much more. So I'm very excited to share this episode with you today. Before we get into that, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Told Video, original thoughtful storytelling for your brand. Here to help you with your next step in marketing, a meaningful video. Let your story out into the world and get it told. You can contact Rebecca, the owner, through June 1st to receive a pack of four 15-second social media videos along with your full video. Reach out for a free phone consultation and quote and to find out more at toldvideo.com. All right, without further ado, here's my interview with Crystal Farley. On today's show, I'd like to welcome Crystal Farley. Crystal, so excited to talk to you today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Angela. (laughs) We are talking about a subject that is so closely aligned with public speaking, 
that I feel like the two are probably married by this point. Because public speaking is such a big fear of so many people, it often brings up feelings of stress and anxiety and worry and what if I say the wrong thing? And because you spend so much time helping people with stress management, I wanted to have you on the show to share some of your strategies and tips that help people to just better manage this part of their lives. Because I think, you know, we're always dealing with stressful situations and I'm sure there's so much you could tell us about how to get better at it. But before we jump into that, I'd love for you to share your story and how you got into this type of work. Sure. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to. Thank you. So I like to share with people that whenever I facilitate any sort of workshop or conversation around stress, that I am always the example. So I I have a lot of a lot of things to share and a lot of reasons why I got into this line of work. But so, you know, I'll start with when I've interviewed my past therapists, because I am a firm believer in therapy and I believe everybody should be talking to someone that's objective. The most common reaction I would get from every single therapist was, wow, you have a colorful past. <laughs> Right? So at first I was kind of like, well, that doesn't make me feel very good. Clearly I'm here because I feel like there's something wrong with me. So I appreciate you recognizing that I have had quite the journey. So it's taken me, you know, a a little bit of time to learn that, that that was actually a compliment for me. So I look at my life and my experiences as gifts. And I understand that most people look at my life and they're like, oh my gosh, you've experienced a significant amount of episodic stress in your life, and they're appalled by it. I'm grateful for it. So, you know, my resume includes companies like IBM, HPE, Apple. I'm a combat veteran. I'm a mother. I'm a divorcee. I am a wife. I am a daughter to a woman who is in recovery. I lost my father seven years ago. So I've I've dealt with a lot of different things, right? And so through all of this learning and journey of self-discovery, I realized that a lot of people don't, they're scared to talk about these things, right? People don't want to talk about life and what happens to them because they carry shame, they carry guilt, and they essentially just live in a silence with these events, right? And so... With these large companies, I was really involved with organizational change and inclusion and diversity, creating programs to help improve those things. And really what you're doing with that is you're creating a sense of community and connection, right? So I was able to really deploy a lot of the things I've learned educationally through, you know, my my learnings in social science and research and that sort of thing, and really learn what makes people tick and what people are, you know, hoping to connect with, you know, in their journey to be more productive at work. So, you know, long story short, I know I'm being a little long-winded, but some of these nuggets are really important. So Early last year in 2018, I was finally diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder after being misdiagnosed for six years. And so, yeah, sure, you know, the mil- my time in the military did allow me the criteria to be formally diagnosed with this disorder. However, there's a lot of things in my life prior to the military, my military service that have contributed to the level of stress in my life. A good friend of mine, Heather, was also diagnosed for with PTSD, and she was misdiagnosed for 13 years. So she and I developed a podcast called People, Trauma, and Stress Discussed in September of 2018. So the podcast's not been around all that long, and we've already got 14,000 listens, and we have personally felt tremendous growth in 
providing this podcast to a community of people. We're building a community and people are reaching out. They're saying thank you. So obviously, you know, like you were saying, Angela, stress is everywhere. It's part of all of our lives. And my goal in life is that I don't want people to be defined by their stress. So being that I have all this really great experience with stress and these really large companies, I found a niche where I get to work with organizations to develop better stress management techniques or coping skills for their employees to make them more productive at work and at home. So it's kind of a a twofold. So that's why I do this. I love that story. And I love that you have taken your own struggles and your own experiences to say, how can I now go and help others with this? Because I think the people who go through the stuff that they're trying to help others with are some of the best teachers. And being able to relate on that level is so important. One of the things you said a couple of minutes ago about talking about life stuff and it being really important and not having shame and guilt around what happened to you is interesting to me. And I, I want to know if you've always felt that way or if it took time for you to develop that mindset. Oh, it took time. It <laughs> took time. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, and I still do it. I still to this day find myself not sharing something because I feel ashamed of it. And so, you know, I think I, when I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, being in the military, I was very much, and this is an easy one for me to talk about because everybody, well, first of all, PTSD can happen to anybody, not just people in the military. And that's why Heather and I, we have a great dynamic because hers is completely unrelated. But, you know, I, I didn't see anybody get killed. I wasn't shooting at people. My job was behind the wire. And it was essentially like, I was like jet blue of like the airfield in Bagram, Afghanistan. And so I was quote unquote safe, right? So I didn't want to tell my peers that I was diagnosed with PTSD because of my time over there, because I didn't feel like my trauma was as bad as yours, you know, or theirs, not yours, but you know what I mean? So I think it's when we're constantly, and that, that's a society we live in today, right? I mean, we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. What we see on Facebook, we're comparing ourselves to. What we see, you know, or what we hear about elsewhere, where we feel like we're not good enough, we're not, you know, we're constantly comparing. And I think that is the mindset that shifted for me. So, you know, it took It's taken years of therapy for me to be okay with my journey and to know that more often than not, I'm able to connect with at least everybody in that room or in a room if I share what I've experienced because they all have too. When you find yourself comparing on when you're on Facebook, do you have any tools that help you to kind of take yourself out of that headspace? I do. I'm kind of a no BS kind of person. And so I'll look at like a picture of a beautiful woman that, you know, I I wish I looked like in a bikini, for example. And I'll say, that's not real. I literally just look at it and be like, okay, I'm educated enough to know that there's Photoshop and there's all of these resources. I also self-talk in a way that, so this is a moment in time for this person. That's not what life really looks like. And I think it's really important to just shift your mindset. Most of stress management, anxiety, fear, it's just a shift of mindset, right? So it takes, it takes, and it takes a lot of emotional maturity to do that, to take a step back and actually look at something and remove yourself from it rather than personally attach yourself to it. 
Yeah. And having that awareness is really important. You know, just even noticing that you're having those feelings because you could just quickly cycle into why don't I have that body? Why am I so lazy? Why do I have such a hard time meeting my goals? And maybe you're not even aware of the way you're talking to yourself because it's become so normal. Do you have tools for like catching yourself in that, that self-talk or in that comparison? Yeah, this is, you know, this is something that I think is really important. And I've been talking about it so much lately is be really careful of expectations. So this is something that I think, you know, when I was preparing for today, I was thinking this is actually really important when you're preparing for a big event too. But when you have a conversation with someone or when you go onto social media, ask yourself what you're expecting to see. And then when you see whatever it is that you see, if it's the beautiful person or if you're having a conversation with somebody or if you're giving a a speech to a group of people, recognize what expectations that you're placing on them without people knowing, right? So if I'm going into social media and I'm like, I am just going, I am expecting to see really just happy things. I need a a boost. I need something. And then I see a news clip about something really devastating happening in the world. My expectation is blown out of the water, but really it was unrealistic, wasn't it? I mean, it's social media. We have so much information being thrown at us all the time. I never know what I'm going to get. So I'm giving social media permission to enter my life. So why should I place an expectation on it? Hmm. When you're ha- it's an interesting perspective, right? And so if you think about having a conversation with someone or going out to speak to a group of people, are you expecting yourself to be perfect? Are you expecting that the other person is just going to receive you exactly the way that you expect them to receive you? Because it's, that's not reality. It's an unrealistic expectation. And so when you minimize the expectation, you'll notice that the pressure feels less. There's a little bit of a weight lifted. And it's like, oh, wow, that's interesting. You know, when people have a conversation with you or when you're giving a group, you know, a talk to a group, people are there to, people at a speech, it's the same thing. They don't want to be there unless they, I mean, they want to be there, right? So they want to hear what you have to say. So don't place an expectation that they're expecting you to be perfect because they're not. That's just in your mind. So just change your mindset. What do you... If you're, that's a good example, especially since this podcast is about public speaking, when you're going to give a speaking engagement, what is your expectation? So the expectation that I have on myself for when I speak is just to be myself. I, I get nervous just like everyone else, but when I'm doing, when I'm practicing my stress management techniques or when I'm offering the information to others, the, the research is very clear in that when you are present and in the moment, your stress is reduced. So the school of thought is that stress cannot occur to a relaxed body. So a lot of what I teach or encourage people to try are things that, that I, that I absolutely practice. And I, and I know for a fact that they've worked for me. So I will remove the tongue from the roof of my mouth. I will unclench my jaw. I will focus on my breathing. If you can't do those things and be present and in the moment, you're just going to be worried about what's next. And I promise you, if you are focusing on negativity, you are manifesting your negativity. 
right? But if you can stay present and in the moment and feel confident about what you're speaking about immediately before you're going on stage or going in front of a group of people, you'll reduce the expectation, the pressures on yourself. I mean, you know, I also, I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm going to be speaking about something I don't know, right? So it's, you know, traditionally I'm putting myself in a position where I feel passionate enough about it that my message is going to be strong and, and I feel prepared. So, you know, rehearsing and, and all of that is, is important to some people. But I, for the most part, don't do things scripted. I mean, even if you were to listen to my podcast and stuff, it's not scripted because I feel like if I'm present and in the moment, I'm going to give the message that needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. Has this, is that something that you had to work on over time as you developed your content? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've taken public speaking courses and I have just, you know, really put myself out there. And I think, you know, one of the notes I did write down, and you've probably heard this before on the podcast, I'm sure you have, is that, you know, the magic happens outside of your comfort zone, right? And so I think it, it is uncomfortable. It is, I get, the, I get the, the butterflies in my belly. I get nervous. My, my key is I get pain in my neck when I'm anxious about things. So then I know I need to get back in touch with why I'm doing something or what I'm doing. And so it's taken me a, a long time to really be able to be comfortable in my own skin and be in front of other people. But I think it's, you know, you have to be easy on yourself. Give yourself a break. <laughs> if you're, yeah. Gonna get nervous about being nervous or stressed about being stressed. It's it's really just exasperating the situation, right? So, you know, learning to be okay with who you are is one of the biggest, most personal growth points you can have in your life. Absolutely. One of the things I've learned after speaking for the last 10 years is how important it is to have rituals that help to support the I don't know, the getting ready to speak process, because like you said, you remove the t- your tongue from the roof of your mouth and unclench your jaw. In a way, those are some rituals that you do. And I, I have breathing exercises. And these are things that I teach when I give workshops. And I tell people, I still do these all the time. It's not like the the anxiety or the the stress goes away for me. I'm just better at managing it. So do you have rituals that you've created for yourself? It sounds like you do have some. And how do you teach other people to build rituals? Routines are by far the one of the top ways that anybody can reduce stress in their lives. And, and even before going on stage or just in life in general. So if you think about you know, what are some really big causes of stress, I get up every single day and I start and I start my day with a routine. So time management is a is a really big big stressor. Time and money are, are two of, that are always at the top, right? So when you think about time though, having a routine allows you structure and sort of to understand what's happening next. And of course, wrenches could be thrown in and that's what life happens, right? But if you know what your schedule looks like for the day, it's traditionally easier to manage what you have to do. So, you know, I, I am one of those people that I wake up in the morning and I, in my journal, I write three things that I'm grateful for. I take a picture of it and I text it to my best friend. We do it every single day. We have accountability for each other. I also, you know, make my cup of coffee and I put my dishes away that are, you know, near the sink and I get ready to go to the gym. It's literally a routine, a very specific routine that I do every single day. And so some of my therapists used to think I have OCD, but I mean, and I do to a certain degree because I need to have my routine done every single day. But 
it's okay if life happens. I just need to start my day with gratitude and end my day with gratitude because that's really important to me. So I think once you define, this sort of leads into like why it's really important to make sure that you have standards for yourself and what defines, you know, self-care and what defines good stress management resources for yourself and make sure that that's important. Because for me, it's really important to be grateful in the morning and at night and have mommy daughter date night on Thursday night and pick my daughter up from school on Friday. Those are non-negotiables for me. Right. So I'm never, ever going to miss that. And I think, you know, I encourage people to have boundaries like that that are part of your routines and your rituals, because those are things that you can look forward to. Those are things that can get you through the day. So, you know, if you have, you know, if we want to bring it back to, you know, a speaking engagement, for me, it is removing the tongue from the roof of my mouth and taking a deep breath. I will tell you, I do that before any sort of big interaction I'm going to have, because I don't want to go into an important interaction with any form of stress. And for me, that brings me back to the present. And the most valuable gift you can give anybody is your time and attention. Mm-hmm. That piece you said about taking a picture of what you write in your journal each morning on your gratitude list and sending it to your best friend, I think accountability is so important. And I notice when I try to create new habits and routines for myself, if I don't ask someone else to hold me accountable, it's so much harder to create that new habit. And even this week on Sunday, I sat down and I wrote for half an hour just in my journal. And I was like, I'm going to challenge myself to write for 30 minutes every morning this week. And I got up Monday morning and I wrote for 30 minutes. And then yesterday morning, I was like, oh, I don't have time to do it today. And then this morning I was like, oh, I can't. I only lasted one day. (laughs) And I thought if I had asked someone to hold me accountable. And if I actually texted somebody and said, okay, I wrote for 30 minutes, I think there's a much greater chance I would have actually done it. And then my question for you is, how important is it, the person that you actually choose to hold you accountable, that piece of it? Because I know in the past, I've tried to have accountability buddies who are entrepreneurs who help me keep accountable to my business. But with the personal piece, I feel like maybe I'd want, want to have a friend or maybe I'd ask my mom, I'm not sure. But do you think a lot about that? Like who you want to keep you accountable? Oh, absolutely. Especially when it comes to something like that's really personal to you. I don't, you have to earn trust, right? And there's criteria for everybody that's individual for what trust is. And so, you know, if I'm sharing something, I'm being vulnerable, I absolutely choose when it comes to my gratitude, who it will be. I definitely don't share that with everybody. However, I'm going to change that, right? If I need somebody to hold me accountable to a meal plan, I need somebody that's going to be really strict and not be like, oh, it's okay, Crystal, for you to cheat this time. No, I need someone that's going to be like, no, <laughs> you cannot do this. You know, and the same for any sort of, you know, any, anything from a business perspective, I wouldn't want somebody that doesn't have a, you know, a good sense of being clear or holding me to a high standard. So, you know, it definitely depends on the situation, but for something personal like that, I would, you know, it's definitely somebody that's, that I trust and, and want to share because that's really my form of journaling, right? You know, you mentioned journaling and it, that's really my way of, of getting it out there. So we've talked about managing expectations, creating rituals, being accountable. These are all really good strategies. Are there mistakes that you see people make when they're trying to manage stress and anxiety? If you're doing things that are causing you more stress (laughs) and thinking it's self-care, it's not, right? (laughs) That's really important. You know, it's really funny. I said to my husband last week, I was like, 
Charlie, I'm, I'm a stress management consultant. I really need to go to yoga tonight. Like this is ridiculous that I'm letting my day take over and I'm not going to take time for myself. So thinking that you can do it all and do it all well is not to be, you know, not to be the, your school of thought. You can't be the best for everyone if you're not the best to yourself at all. Especially, you know, if you're, a, if you're a parent, if you're going to be a parent, you can't be the best mother or father for your children if you're not taking care of yourself. And so I think really what I see people do the most is put themselves second. You know, I think a lot about, you know, I do a lot of women in the workplace type stuff when it comes to stress management because, you know, women are more likely to feel stressed than men. It's been reported and maybe they're just more likely to admit it. I don't know, but this is what the research says. And it's because they put others first. So, you know, they get married, they, they put their, their relationship or their husband first. They have kids, they tend to put their, their children first. But what about them? So minimizing the importance of self-care or taking, you know, reducing your stress and anxiety, what, what brings you pleasure is not the right thing to do. And it feels selfish and it feels wrong and there's guilt and there's shame. But I promise you, you're a better person for it and, and making that okay. Don't procrastinate you know, and don't, and don't give up. Right. So if you're, if your goal is to journal every day, maybe 30 minutes was aggressive. Maybe it's five. And maybe if you don't know what to write, maybe you just write, I don't have anything to write literally over and over again. I don't have anything to write. And eventually you will, you just got to build that habit or make your goals more realistic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it's just, again, it's just the don't procrastinate, do it because you need to minimize don't minimize the importance. Really identify what makes you tick. You know, for everybody, it's a little bit different. When I when I host workshops, we're coloring, we are singing, we are dancing, we are practicing breathing, we're meditating. We're literally trying a variety of different things because it, it's not one size fits all at all. So I just encourage people to try. Yeah, figure out what works for you. I want to talk about a specific period in life that a lot of speakers experience and many members of Speaker Sisterhood are constantly working on writing speeches, coming up with topics, delivering the speeches. But the part that some of them struggle with is that time in between saying, I'm going to sign up to give a speech and then giving the speech because they wake up each day thinking, oh, what am I going to talk about? Should I revise the speech? What if this doesn't sound good? What if it doesn't come across? What if there's too much? What if there's not enough? And it leads to a lot of anxiety and it leads to a lot of stress. And I'm wondering if you have any tips to help shift that so that those weeks or days leading up to the speaking engagement, they're not so trying and maybe they're not going to lose so much sleep and instead it's something they can look forward to. Yeah. Cause it's really exciting actually to have the opportunity to share your story, right. With, yeah. with a group of people. And so to make that more pleasurable would be great. When leading up to a speaking engagement, it should be really exciting and, and super, it shouldn't be stressful at all. So yes, I agree that we need to take care of ourselves in order to de-stress and be the most present. And I think, you know, I'm going to share something that's absolutely ridiculous with you, but of course, let's go over the basics first. So be careful of expectations on yourself and others, right? So we talked about that already, but again, go easy on yourself. When you're thinking about the presentation and what, you're, what you need to speak on, if you're going to talk to yourself poorly, you're not going to benefit from that, right? You're just going to beat yourself down. You're going to become more nervous. It's going to do opposite of what you're, what you're trying to accomplish. You wouldn't talk to your kids or your family like that, so don't talk to yourself that way. Really, really important. Positive self-talk. 
practice, look in the mirror. I recommend people recording themselves, especially being in the podcasting world now, because hearing yourself talk makes you a little bit more comfortable. But if you hear yourself talk over and over again, again, you get a little bit more comfortable. Again, growth and magic happen outside of the comfort zone. So important to remember that. Remind yourself that you have power in the situation. They are there to listen to you. When we're preparing for a speech or a public speaking opportunity, we really should be enjoying this time and not super stressed out about it, which I know is easier said than done. So I think it's really important to, first of all, be easy on yourself. And instead of getting nervous because you're nervous or stressed because you're stressed, really try to focus on what you can do to minimize that. So, you know, your basics include preparedness, being knowledgeable about your topic, practicing in front of a mirror and eye contact, and all of your normal sort of tips that you can find anywhere, right? But I think it's also really important to perhaps record yourself so you can get used to hearing your own voice, because sometimes that will ease your nerves a bit. Additionally, you know, to that, I think a lot of people get really, like, so nervous that they black out during their public speaking engagement, and then they are really excited when it's over, and they feel like this adrenaline rush, it would be really cool to practice being present and in the moment over the course of the weeks leading up to the event. Because if you can literally walk yourself onto stage and notice where your feet are stepping, where you're going to stand, what the microphone looks like, enjoy the people in the crowd, almost imagine it as if it's a movie, you'll actually be enjoying what you're doing and in the moment rather than worried about what's going to happen next. So I think that's really important. But lastly, There is a really ridiculous thing that I have been practicing, and it does actually reduce my stress, and that is to gag, gargle, and sing every single day. (laughs) Okay, tell me more about that. So I, you know, being, you know, I'll get a little personal here. So I do have, you know, I have had IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and some other digestive issues over the last few years, and mostly related to stress. And I've done a lot of work to correct that. And so your vagus nerve, which is partly why we tell you to take the tongue off of the roof of your mouth, is it's the largest nerve in your body, and it connects your mouth to your intestine and goes, it touches your heart and your lungs. So it's the largest nerve you have in your body. And so when that is impaired, it actually can hurt your digestive system and cause issues. So because I've done so much work, my cortisol levels, which is produced by stress, should be lower than what they are when I wake up in the morning and they're not. And so my physician and I have agreed that for an extended amount of time, we're calling it 30 days, I'm literally measuring my starting anxiety and I will be measuring, I'm still in the process right now, but I'll, I will be end, you know, measuring my ending anxiety. And it's to repair your vagus nerve. So if you gargle with water two times, if you gag yourself with like a toothbrush and then sing really, really loudly, you are repairing your vagus nerve, which can improve your digestion and reduce your cortisol levels. So I can tell you that If you even think about it, I bet you're smiling, right? Like the last time I sang in the car, like I don't even know the last time I had sang in the car before I did it for the first time and knowing that this was going to be a practice of mine for a while, I was so excited to put a song on and just sing it really loud and not care about anything else. So even if it makes me happy in the moment, it takes the stress out of a situation. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite song you like to sing in the car or favorite artist? I'm going with Pink right now because I really want to get her on my podcast. So <laughs> I always sing Whitney Houston songs from the 80s. I don't know what it is, but oh my gosh, she's amazing. And well, I saw Melissa Etheridge in concert the other day, and like she might be my new favorite. I don't know. 
know. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to share about strategies for anxiety and stress management or just a final thought about how we can be doing this better? I think once we take the stigma away from stress in life and understand that we are you know, at a point in our lives where technology allows us constant information flow, predominantly negative because that's what brings like the news money and viewers and all of that stuff. And, you know, there's so many different things in life. We have checklists for checklists and there now is more important time than ever to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And so I think, you know, it's just really important to incorporate at least one stress reducing technique a day. It really does have a negative effect on your health. I often, I like to share with people to check out, there's two different quizzes you can check out that are online. One's called the Adverse Childhood Experience Quiz, and the other one is the AAQ. And those really are very insightful with regards to stress and why you may be behaving or acting a certain way based upon past experiences. And like I'm an eight out of 10 for the ACE measurement, which means that I am going to be more likely, more likely to be an alcoholic, more likely to die from heart disease and more likely going to die 20 years earlier than everyone else my age. So there are serious effects to your body and mind with stress. And I would encourage everybody to take control of that so it doesn't take control of you. Love it. Now, you mentioned your PTSD podcast earlier, and you also have another podcast. Can you talk about both of those a little bit and tell us where we can find them? I do. You know, throughout my journey, I've found that a story is... Once somebody can share their story, it is really the most healing effort that they can put in. So whether it be through a podcast or a public speaking engagement. And so I, we launched People, Trauma, and Stress Discussed. Heather Jackman and I, we are chief storytellers on that podcast, available on all venues where you can listen. And then Making of Her Story is a global podcast that I am the co-chief storyteller with Heidi Solomon Orlick, who's the CEO for an outsourcing company out of Guyana, where we are pulling in fantastic women from around the world to share their stories and pivotal moments that have really changed their journey. So just really excited to get more and more, more people to inspire others out there. And where's that podcast? Is that on all platforms too? All platforms. Yes. Should we, should we tell everybody that I'm going to be on that podcast? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if we wanted to announce it or not, but yes, um, Angela agreed to be on making up her story. So I'm so excited about that. past and present. And what's really cool is that it's traditionally now been, everybody's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was a pivotal moment. And so it's pretty incredible, the conversation that we have. So yes, Angela will be a guest on that. So exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Well, thanks so much for coming on my podcast and sharing more about how to manage stress and anxiety and worry and all these things that are part of our lives on a daily basis and how we can just sort of create better you know, management systems for them. So I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and experiences with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you got some good tidbits to take with you and start practicing in your own life. I think there's never enough 
opportunities to reevaluate how you're spending your time, how you're talking to yourself, when you find yourself comparing yourself to others, how you're robbing yourself of your own joy in different circumstances, and creating systems and and ways to manage our lives so that we can experience more happiness and lightness and not be so hard on ourselves. So I hope you were able to take a couple of things away from the episode that will help you on that journey. I want to remind you this episode is sponsored by Told Video, original thoughtful storytelling for your brand. You can contact Rebecca through June 1st to receive a pack of four 15-second social media videos along with your full video. And you can reach out for a free consultation and quote and learn more at toldvideo.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes because it helps more people find the show. And I would love to read your review on the show and give you a free copy of one of my books. So you can go to iTunes and just spend two minutes and leave a quick review. Thank you. If you have any guest suggestions, please feel free to email me at Angela at speakersisterhood.com. This podcast has been a production of the Speaker Sisterhood and was recorded at the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. You can learn more at speakersisterhood.com. As always, friends, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.